Okay, if you have not been here, or you have just forgotten, we are in Lamentations. Now, we're going to start this morning. We're going to be in Lamentations 3, 90% of the time. We're going to flip around a little, and we're going to flip in a way that I want you to follow me. But go ahead and turn your Bibles to Jeremiah 38. Jeremiah 38. And remember, if, you, if you've been here, um, um, I believe, most believe that Jeremiah wrote Jeremiah, and Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. A few other people have a few different thoughts concerning Lamentations, but I stand behind um, believing that he wrote Lamentations, not someone else. So go 38 in Jeremiah, and if you are a note-taker, you, you write the top of your Bible, or you have a journal with you, you're a highlighter who I love. Write this question down. In my past, in my story, and in my testimony, has my past struggle made my present strong? Has my past story and struggle and tragedy, my story in the past, has it made my present reality Has God done something with yesterday to glorify himself today? Look at Jeremiah 38, 1 through 6. Jeremiah, talking about a past, I want you to see where I'm going. Has our past given a new taste to our today? Let's start in Jeremiah's past. Jeremiah 38 says this, now, Shephatiah, the son of Matan, Gedadiah, the son of Sasphur and Jucal, the son of Shemalai and Pasphur, and the son of Malachi, heard the words that Jer- Jer- Jeremiah, it's funny, that was the one I stumbled on, Jeremiah. <laughs> like nine hours into this thing, I was like, Jer- 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 Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah had spoken to all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, he who remains in the city shall die by the sword. Now, this is Jeremiah's words. Remember, this is the warning. If you were here week one, Jacob blessed us last week. This is his warning in his book. He says this, thus says the Lord, he who remains in the city shall die by the sword, by famine and by pestilence. Those who goes over the Chaldeans shall live. His life shall be as a prize to him. And he shall live. Thus says the Lord, this city shall surely be given to the hands of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. He says this to a group of people who are not on board. And who is that king? Do y'all remember? Our good friend Nebuchadnezzar, Shanna. Nebuchadnezzar, good old Nez, came in and he's saying, he is going to come in. He's going to take Daniel and all your neighbors. He's coming for you if you stay here in the midst of your sin. Let's keep going. Therefore, the princes and the king said to the king, please let this man be put to death. For thus he weakens the hand of the men of war who remain in this city. Get rid of them, they're saying. And the hands of all the people by speaking such a word to them For this man does not seek the welfare of this people, but their harm. Let's take a second. Man, think about the world we live in today. Think about our entertainment. Think about our politics. Think about the media. Think about, hey, this man comes and says, hey, hey, listen. The truth sayer, 
Jeremiah who goes, listen, in the midst of your sin, you're inviting destruction to you. What does the world say? Hey, get rid of this man. He's actually bringing harm to us. Man, this is the message that people are saying about the church today. Then Zedekiah the king said, look, he is in your hand for the king can do nothing against you. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malachi the king's son, which was in the court of the prison. And they let Jeremiah down the ropes and in the dungeon, there was no water, but mire. So Jeremiah highlighted, we're coming back to it. So Jeremiah sank, he sank in the mire. Let's pray once again for our time together this morning. God, we thank you. Uh, Lord, I have grown to, to love as I understand this book, the backstory, the character, the culture, the moment, the reality, the application, your glory is shown in every word and every moment. And Lord, I pray that as we look at Jeremiah's past, it gives weight to his present. And I pray that as we look upon your daily mercies in which we'll read about in Lamentations 3, we seek those daily morning mercies as well. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your cross. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. In your precious name, and the church says, amen. How has your past struggled, church? Think about your track record. Think about your resume. How has your past struggle, tragedy, story given strength to what God is doing in you today? Now, the book of Lamentations is a wonderful example of what we've preached here at Eastview for years now about how a verse or two that is so rich in history and powerful in promises is really done injustice by not understanding the scope of everything that comes before it and after it. Look at Lamentations 3.21. This is what my brother Jacob said. Man, I wish Hunter gave me last week. And I could have, I could have, but I didn't want to. I wanted to give him two, Okay. I said, he'll enjoy this. It's called passive aggressiveness, okay? So I don't get mad at deacons. I give them um, hard things to preach through. Look at Lamentations 3, 21 through 24. These are coffee mug, women devotional type seminar type verses, right? My wife has a wonderful devotional that I love titled Morning Mercies. Look at these verses. Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3, 21, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have, what church? Hope. hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Isn't that something we need? They are new every morning, amen? Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. What a wonderful, desperately needed truth. That's a sermon by itself. Now, but listen to me. How much stronger are those verses? The space in which they were said in how much richer are those three to four verses in Lamentations 3 that so many people know when you understand the 55 chapters that came before it? 
And we, we love to talk about mercy and we love to talk about hope and we love to talk about grace and salvation. But when you understand the imprisonment that this man went to 55 chapters beforehand, it gives it life. It gives it taste. His story, his background, his testimony gives life to his restoration. Remember, Jeremiah is tired. He is broken. He's been beaten. He's been imprisoned. He's been poor. He's watched the destruction of his people. And the whole book of uh, Jeremiah is themed with this, God, I am a failure. This is a faithful pastor who has spoken the truth only to be hit with, get this man away from me. And I don't know if you know anything about ministry. When you see week after week, no one come to the altar, it can burden you a little. Man, we're not seeing members. Man, we're not seeing baptism. Man, we're not seeing salvation. Man, we're not seeing growth. It can hit you. Let alone you guys stand up and go, hey, I got an idea. Hunter, go away. So the whole book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah goes, man, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, and they don't want it. They don't want me. They don't want to hear it. I have failed. Fast forward, Lamentations 1, he is looking at what was promised come to reality. Not just Nebuchadnezzar, but the Lord is coming. He came. He's looking at the destruction and now he says, I'm burdened. His story gives life to his restoration in 21, and now he speaks of mercies. When you understand Jeremiah in the first two chapters of Lamentations, when you hear a man speak about mourning mercies, man, it gives it light. I want you to see how that really plays out in the first 20 verses of chapter 3. Look at Lamentations, press rewind, and Go to 3 1. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. I want your mind on your life, your past, and how it has given great strength to what God has done in the aftermath of your faith. Jeremiah says, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me. Have you ever felt like this? Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. He has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. Highlight 6 and 7. Remember what we read in Jeremiah 38. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. He has made my chains heavy. Now remember what we said week one and Jacob reiterated last week. Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations is writing in what could be confusing type poetic form of literature. So throughout Lamentations, he's constantly weaving in. This is Jeremiah speaking from his point of view, his balcony. And then he weaves in without really telling you, this is the voice of my people in Jerusalem. So at times, like chapter 3, there are people who debate, like, is that Jeremiah? Is that his people? Like, who's speaking right now? So some people look at this and go, man, this is not a pretty scene. 
These people are under God and feeling the struggle and the weight of tragedy. This is Jerusalem. I don't believe that. I believe it's Jeremiah speaking. People can debate that. People can disagree with that. But I believe that Jeremiah is speaking about what he has and what he is experiencing, believing in God, but being under struggle. He remembers prison. Hang on it. He remembers prison even though he's out of it. You guys ever been there? Where God has saved you and blessed you, but you still remember the struggle? You can still taste the tragedy. Your resume haunts you. Look back at six and seven. I told you to highlight. He has set me in dark places. Like the dead of long ago, Jeremiah 38. You think my brother has forgotten what dark prison looks like? He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. He has made my chains heavy. I think Jeremiah is looking amongst the people of Jerusalem in the midst of his failure and his worry and his burden and all of those things and says, man, hey, listen, um, I understand what you're going through. I can still taste the darkness of prison. I've been beaten, I've been cursed, I've been spat on, I've been persecuted, I've been all of those things. I can relate to you. Keep going in verse eight. Even when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. How could a believer say such things? Have you? I had a guy say to me one time, reading a verse such as like this and going, man, maybe he wasn't a Christian or maybe you just haven't experienced life. As a believer, you ever felt like God didn't listen? God didn't hear? He has blocked my ways with a honed stone. He has made my past crooked. He has made me, he has been to me a bear lying in the weight, like a lion in the ambush. He has turned aside my ways and torn me into pieces. He has made me desolate. Highlight 12 and 13. Is there any relatability to this church? He has bent his bow and set me up as a target for the arrow. He has caused the arrows of his quiver to pierce my loins. I think what you see here in my view is what it feels like to remember struggle under still the grace of God. What it is like to see destruction, to remember tragedy, to go through depression, to be in failure still under God. He remembers his time in prison even though he's years away from it. Do you remember your prison? Do you remember your abuse? Do you remember what you have done to other people or what those people have done to you. Still save, still promise heaven, but you still have the remembrance of what it's like to feel like a target. A man once told me on his deathbed, I'll never forget, this was 24 hours before he died, he looked at me. Never forget. He was, Hunter, there's something much worse than being in the midst of tragedy and struggle and not believing in God. I said, well, brother, what is that? He says, being in the midst of tragedy and struggle, believing in God and being angry and hate him for why he's doing what he's doing to you. And how could a believer say such a thing, right? Well, how dark has your prison been? 
What have you experienced? Have you ever been on your deathbed 30 days before the Lord takes you? Who have you buried? What can you remember? I look at this and I read Jeremiah, look at the carnage. And he goes, brother, I have been in prison too. And I have felt, even though I believe in God, I have felt like he is a lion after me. I believe Jeremiah remembers his past and he is deeply weighed down by his presence. Look at 14. Follow me. I have become the ridicule of all my people. Remember Jeremiah 38? Not only where is God, the people don't want me either. I have become the ridicule of all my people. Their taunting song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink the wormwood, 16. He has also broken my teeth with gravel and covered me with ashes. You have moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity. I thought that one stood out. Even the hint of prosperity, I've forgotten it. And I said, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood of the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. Highlight 20. My soul still remembers. What does it remember? My past, my story, my struggle. My soul still remembers. And what does all of that do to me? I sink. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. I believe that some of you today in Jeremiah have something in common. God, I am defeated. I am lonely. I am tired. I am lost. I am weary. I remember my past. I see my destruction. I can't overcome my tragedy, my strength, and my hope. They have perished. Jeremiah 38. So Jeremiah did what? My brother sank. Remember Paul? Or you remember Peter? He gets put in jail, and what did he do? My brother starts singing, right? What a wonderful story. He starts singing hymns. What does Jeremiah do? He sank in the mire which literally means swampy type quicksand, impossible to get out. For some of us, our past haunts us, what we have done to other people, but for some of it, it is what other people have done to us. And we know that quicksand. We understand what it means to go to bed at night and think about all the things that people have done to us, the abuse that has occurred to us, all of the tragedy, and then what we've done to hurt other people. When Corin read in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians what Paul said about the thorn in the flesh, that's what I believe Paul's talking about. A lot of people have different ideas and thoughts and there's no way of telling what that thorn is. Some people think that it was a health issue, that he had bad eyesight and he was like, God, help me see better. For some people think that thorn was literally a, a headache of a church member. God, I love these people, but if you could just get rid of that one, right? Felt it, okay? I've prayed for that thorn to go away. But you know what I believe? I believe that... Paul was speaking about his mind. 
And I believe that Paul, the majority of the New Testament who wrote, a Christian all-star, an amazing man, a warrior for Christ, I think he put his head on the pillow every night and he remembered all the people he persecuted who loved Jesus. That's what I remember, think. And I think he was saved and he spoke the truth and he was a brilliant man, greatest Sunday school teacher ever walk. And I think he remembered the faces of all the people he hurt. And Jeremiah is sitting here like him and he goes, man, I know what it's like to be in quicksand. I know what it means to see tragedy and destruction and desperation. I understand what the heaviness of a backstory looks like. And I want you to hang on this. This is the buildup. We don't want the coffee mug verse. We don't want to see the power and just the devotion. 55 chapters in, look at verses 21. Therefore, I recall to my mind, therefore, I have hope. 52 chapters in Jeremiah, I have failed, I am imprisoned, I am beaten, I am weary. Lamentations is the destruction of all of those, all of those things coming to life. He knows what it feels like to be targeted and to feel those emotions. The book literally means tear-filled eyes. All of this builds up. This I recall to my mind, therefore, I have hope. In my quicksand, I recall. In the destruction, I have hope. Now, what does Jeremiah recall? Look at verses 22. 55 chapters in, in all of that heaviness, I recall through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Do you remember Psalms and David? What did he say to us? He said, Lord... Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Jeremiah recalls God's mercy and grace and love for him in destruction, that he has mercy in the time of need. I want you to flip with me. Go to Hebrews 4. Go to Hebrews 4 for me. We're not in a rush. Go ahead. I want you to see these awesome, beautiful promises. Like David, he says, I am struggling, I have, I, have, I have wavered away, I have forgotten the things that are good. Lord, restore to me all of the truths to lift me up in the midst of tragedy. Jeremiah says the same thing. Now, I want you to see Paul's words in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. I want you to see it. Kiddos, get your Bible out. I want you to see these words. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, these are great gospel truths. Paul says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast now to our confessions, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in all of our backstories and all of our struggle, find grace to help in the time of need. For you and I, New Testament believers in Jesus Christ, God's greatest mercy and grace was given to us in the form of his son. And what we see is a son who can sympathize, 
a son who has walked in your shoes, a son who has seen prison and been beaten and been spat on and been persecuted and still is sinless and perfect, who in the midst before dragged through the streets and nailed to a cross, he prayed for what? You and I. In the midst of all of those things, what is the greatest mercy and grace that God has shown us in the midst of need that we are called to recall that before being drugged through the streets and bloodied and nailed to a cross, what does Jesus pray for? That you and I would be with him one day. And what does Jeremiah and what does Paul tell us? Let us recall to his mercy, go back to Lamentations, in a time of need. Let us recall his mercy in a time of need. Look at 3, 23 through 24. We're, actually, we're going to go back, go 21 through 24. I want you to highlight all of them. It's not very long. You've got enough juice in you. Go 21 through 24. Highlight every one of those verses. Jeremiah says, after he's recalled all of his past, I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I have hope in him. This is the same man who says, my soul still remembers and sinks within me. I want you to see it. Take your time. This is reality. This is out of Sunday morning sermon mode and speaking just truth to what it means to be a believer in a broken world. In 20, my soul still remembers reality. Prison and abuse and divorce and destruction. And my soul sinks within me. Fast forward. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. A prison exists. And the sin is our slavery. And when we live in it and remember it, and that is our truth, it will sink us and distort our views of who the Lord is. And what does Jeremiah say? Keep your eyes on the prize. And when he does, he says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, the same one who sank, therefore I have hope in him. I want you to see this. The 55 chapters, 52 in Jeremiah, and the three that got us to Lamentations 3. 55 chapters. The 55 chapters up to this point, the backstory, the resume, the good and the bad, the imprisonment, all of the story gives strength to those four verses. And the same applies to your life today. Reading those four verses without understanding the first 55 chapters does it an injustice. But man, when you understand the life and the desperate need of daily mercies, it gives it a new taste. So for someone to stand on this stage and go, man, David said it. Man, God is so good. Well, amen, buddy. That's why we're here. But when he goes, hey, this year has been difficult with tears in his eyes. 
Well, man, I see and I taste that God is good a little differently. I want you to understand this in Jeremiah's story. Jeremiah learned something much greater than just sorrow and lamentations, and that is he learned that God is good in the midst when the world is not good. Our story is no different. You are a sinner. You have done awful, unthinkable things to other people, to the church, and your creator. Not only have you done despicable things, but people have done despicable things to you. And you have lived in this prison, in this reality, and you and all and I understand it. And all of this gives a new taste to God's daily morning mercies when we receive them. I want you to see it. You don't have to flip. This is what Corn read to us earlier. This is why Paul is able to say, in 2 Corinthians, he says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I now would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, now I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. The Lord is my portion, therefore I hope in him. Jeremiah's sorrow produced something greater than tears, and that's godly dependence. He learned truths about God that can only be truly known by experiencing them. Hang on that statement. Jeremiah learned something precious about God that would not have been known unless he experienced it firsthand. You don't understand what freedom is until you taste slavery. You hear me? Don't speak of freedom unless you felt chains. But man, when you realize chains and when you've drugged them through the ground, freedom tastes differently. And so Jeremiah, through the grace and mercy of God, his creator, allowed him to taste destruction and tragedy so the morning mercies in which he cried out for tasted more pleasurable. Can you relate anything to this? This is why we say the freedom in forgiveness. To experience morning mercies would mean that you have to need them daily. Daily need is our story. It is your 55 chapters that came before forgiveness. The weight of your sin, what you have done and what has been done to you, all of this flows into communion. All of this flows into our Lord's Supper as we call our praise team up. I want you to hear this. The Lord's Supper in which we have distorted in so many different ways. Close your eyes when I say to pray. Listen to the music as they sing. The Lord's Supper is none of those things. The Lord's Supper is an invitation to forgiveness. To forgiveness in the reality that you are enslaved. Daily mercies is what the Lord's Supper invites you to. Grace and mercy of those chains being unshackled. 
I want you to hear this. This is what Paul speaks of to these people who have it all backwards and distorted. I want you to see the words that we've read many times in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 11, if you want to follow along. He says in 27, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many of you are weak and sick among you, and many have fallen asleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned. Hear it? That we may not be condemned with the world. The Lord shows us in his grace, mercy, and sovereignty our chains so we would seek freedom and forgiveness through repentance. Freedom is realizing your slavery. God, forgive me. Forgive my wicked heart and my mind and my actions and my lostness. Like the first 20 verses in Lamentations 3, that is a reality of what it means to believe in God but not understand his path for you. For some of you, your marriages are not working the way you would desire them to work. And your kids have not stayed on the beaten path like you would desire. Your job is not good. Your mind is not good. Your mind and your body and your physical, not good. And we sit here in our chains and we go, God, do you not hear me? Do you not see me? Jeremiah says, I restore my mind to the joy of your salvation, David. And my hope is in you and I pray for daily mercies. Why? Because I know the slavery in which I live in and the mercy that I need. Go to the Lord. God, what are you showing me? Pray as we pray here and before they sing, God, what have you shown me this morning? What slavery, what chains do I have on myself that you are desiring to take off of me so I can receive the daily mercies? Receive the grace, receive the forgiveness. Freedom is realizing your slavery and the forgiveness that comes through repentance. Let's bow our heads. I want to pray for us. God, we thank you for today. God, as we go into our Lord's Supper, I pray that you put on the hearts and the minds of every believer here this morning the sin that weighs them down the sin that prevents them seeing the mercy and the grace that you have in store for them. For so many people here this morning, they are weighed down by their backstory. They are weighed down by their current story. And they are in prison. They might not even realize it, Lord, but Lord, I pray that you put on their heart all the sin, all the the burden, all the weariness, all the tiredness, all the hurt, that shackles them, that prevents them from those four verses. Put that on their shoulders, put that in their mind, place that on their heart. Let them seek forgiveness in the realization of their slavery that which only comes through repentance. I pray for repentance this morning. In your precious and holy name, the church says, amen.